that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Okay, how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. The title of this message is, Don't Go to Church, Be the Church. That's right, don't go to church, be the church. Now, I must admit that I am not much of a people person. So the concept of not being thrilled about going to church, is, is, it's, it's really not that appealing to me. When I talk about the church, what I am, I, in other words, I'm not knocking church, but my view of church is a little bit different than most people. In other words, I view the church as a support group, a support group for a bunch of junkies, a bunch of junkies trying to overcome sin. That's my view of the church. It's not the typical view that the world's view of, you know, praying and and religious facade and robes and funny little things, you know, hanging off of people and, and you know, crosses and all the symbols. And, and it's just, you know, a support group for a bunch of junkies, a bunch of junkies trying to overcome sin. That's my view of the church. Now, there was a survey that what people were looking for mostly from a church, and one of the things at the top of the survey was anonymity. In other words, they wanted to go in without being noticed. They wanted to get out without being noticed. Anonymity. I think that's interesting because I can relate to that. Now, when we talk about all the dynamics of a church, I think all of the dynamics of a church can actually get in, a way, get in the way of a relationship with God. And, you know, like I said, I'm sort of an introvert. You know, I sort of connect with God, quietness, solitude, nature. I'm not much of a people person. Did you know they said that Johnny Carson was a high-end introvert? That his idea of a party was about three people, three of his closest friends at his home? You would have never known that by watching the Johnny Carson show. You would have thought he was an extrovert, that he just loved being around people. Not so. They actually said he was a high-end introvert. So you can't judge a book by its cover. Now, again, how I connect with God, probably church is the last place I would go to to connect with God. You know, again, it's solitude, it's quietness, it's nature, it's being alone. This is how I connect with God. Now, there are many things in our society that are overrated. You ever bought something new? One time I was thinking about buying a boat, and I told my wife, I said, you know, the moment we pull that thing off, you know, pull it out of the parking lot or whatever, you know, it's not going to be, it's going to drop in value half the price of what we gave for it. There are so many things that are overrated in our society. Uh, I'm often guilty of building my expectations up too high. If I'm planning on doing something, going on a trip, going on a vacation, I will build that up so high, my expectations, that the reality could never meet my expectations. 
And so I get this, this, this let down, you know, I'm, I'm, I get let down because I build my expectations up too high. Well, I think a lot of people build their expectations of church entirely too high when they go there. Now, the most overrated event in the world out there is going to church or church, I should say. It's the most overrated event out there. Too many people are looking for the perfect church. Now, let me tell you the reason you haven't found the perfect church. The reason you haven't found the perfect church is because when you walk through the doors, you're in it, and you're not perfect, and neither is anybody else in that church. Perfection is an ongoing process. Uh, it's referred to in the Bible as conversion, and actually, it's not completed until, uh, well, the day you die, actually, and even then, it's not really completed. It's more complete at the resurrection when this body is changed from flesh to spirit. Uh, that's real conversion when you're given a sinless nature no longer capable of sinning. That's real conversion right there. But it's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing process. And that's the reason you haven't found the perfect church. Now. A lot of people are amazed to find out that the first commanded assembling of people together is found some 2,000 years later. You go to the book of Genesis, and you have to ask, where did Adam and Eve go to church at? And finally, in the book of Exodus, Exodus 12 and verse 16, it says this, and in the first day there shall be a holy convocation. And actually, this was not even a church service. It was, one, it was the, one of God's holy days referred to as the Day of Unleavened Bread, the first day of unleavened bread. So we have 2,000 years in history go by before we have the first commanded church service assembling of people together. Now, you know, a lot of people find that interesting because they think, okay, where did, what did they do for the first 2,000 years? Well, they had the Sabbath day. They had the seventh day of the week, the Sabbath day, which was a day of connectivity with God and disconnect with all of your cares and problems of the world, a day to disconnect and to connect with God. Now, I have found that a lot of people are addicted to going to church. Their religion begins at 11 and it ends at 12 noon. And it's like, oh, I've got to go to church. If I don't go to church, I don't even have a relationship with God. You know, they are addicted to going to church. I must go to church to worship. That's the biggest illusion out there, that I must go to church to worship God. Man, life is too short for a 45-minute worship service. If that's all you're worshiping God, then you've got a problem. You've got a major, major problem. But this, this little concept is nothing new. Let's take a look at it, at what a woman said to Jesus in John 4 and verse 20. She said, Our Father worshiped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Now here's the concept. I've got to go to a place. I've got to go to a building. I've go, got to go to a church. And, you know, the concept is valid because in the Old Testament you had the temple and you had, you know, the tabernacle before that. And so the idea of going to a specific place of worship, I got to get to church, I got to get to the synagogue, I got to get to a building to worship God. Hey, it's nothing new under the sun, but let's notice what Jesus said here. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Uh-oh, what's he talking about? 
Well, let's continue on. But the hour is coming and now is, notice this, now is when the true worshiper, uh-oh, we've got something called a true worshiper here, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So to be a true worshiper of God, there's two things you've got to have. You've got to have the spirit of God. And that's another message, by the way, that you'll get pretty soon here, how to receive the Spirit of God. But you've got to have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, and you've got to have something called truth. Let me tell you something. Truth is something you think you can find truth at church, don't you? You think that you can just go to the church of your choice and find truth. No, no. You've been lied to about the Bible. What you think is in the Bible is not even in there. You've built your faith on illusions, lies that has been taught to you by the theologians of our society, the men of God, or at least you think they're men of God. You've been lied to about the Bible. No, truth is hard to find. So Jesus comes along and just sort of poo-poos the idea of a specific place of worship. Jesus didn't say anything about revival or gospel music or, or music of any type, religious music. He didn't say anything about gospel tracts, handing out gospel tracts. He didn't say anything about television evangelists. Oh, give your heart to the Lord. Just come down. Just come to the cross. He said nothing about that. He said nothing about religious books. He said nothing about religious conferences. He said the true worshiper is going to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Two things you got to have, the Spirit of God and truth. And what this equals is one mind. In other words, it's not a smorgasbord of a variety of different opinions, beliefs, denominations where you can go from church to church to church and they all, none of them believe the same thing. Why do you think there are so many churches that dot our land? Why do you have two churches of the same denomination within 50 yards of each other. Well, let me tell you why. Because they disagreed with something. They had different mindsets, different opinions. You believe this, we believe that. That's why you have so many churches. But I'm saying the Spirit of God, to worship the Father in spirit and truth, got to have the Spirit of God and you got to have truth, it equals one mindset. It doesn't equal a half, you know, 500 different bickering denominations, all arguing about what's right and what's wrong. That's not what it equals. When you have the Spirit of God and you have truth, it equals one mindset. So why do people even go to church? You know, I've, that's, what drives a person to go? I've always wondered this. What drives, what motivates people to go to church? I was sitting at a Bojangles and across the road was a big, huge tent church, you know, huge church, and I was watching people <clears throat> go into church services. And here was a woman all dressed up nicely, and her husband, she's sort of dragging her husband along, you know, like this, on a leash. He had cowboy boots, and I think a cowboy hat on, and, and his whole demeanor, the way he was walking, the way he was, you know, head down, it, it just said, I don't want to be here. I would rather not be here. I'd rather be riding a, a bull or something, you know, I don't know. I'd rather be roping cows or whatever, but I don't want to be here. His whole demeanor said that. So it's always driven me crazy as to answer the question, what in the world even motivates people to want to go to church? 
Now, I think there are similarities between big government and big church. Uh, you know, when we refuse to do what is best for ourselves, we allow the government to become our caretaker. We allow them to step in and to do for us what we should be doing for ourselves. And the government comes along and says, look, I'll take care of you when you're old. I'll give you health care. I'll take care of you if you're down on your luck. I'll send you a paycheck if you don't want to work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when we refuse to think for ourselves, big church steps in and says, I'll do your thinking for you. You don't have to think of a thing. You don't even have to bring your Bible to church. I'll do the thinking for you. How many times have people said, well, my minister said, your minister said, look, your minister is wrong. He's been lied to also about the Bible. He's been lied in cemetery school, excuse me, uh, seminary school. He's been lied to. So your minister said, and that's people's greatest authority. My minister said so. Who gives a flip? Okay, now churches only give us what we want. You do realize that. And there's a variety of things that we want, by the way. If you want prosperity doctrine, in other words, you want to believe that God is just a blessing machine. He'll give you that BMW. He'll give you that three-car garage. He'll give you a new home. He'll give you that Mercedes-Benz. He'll give you that Hawaiian vacation. He is nothing more than a blessing machine. If that's what you want, then that's what church gives you, a prosperity doctrine. If you want a feel-good doctrine where you just jump church pews, speak in a gibberish that makes you look like a fool, then that's what your church will give you. If you want a prophecy doctrine, you know, church, that's all about prophecy and the end time, and you know, and I've always said, what's the use in knowing the future if you're not going to be a part of it? Wouldn't it be brighter to first make a decision to get serious and be a part of the end time or whatever? Okay. You know, it's, it's not about truth, what I'm saying. It's about what people want. Church is not so much about truth. It's about giving people, giving people what they want. It's not about truth. If you want a church, a church that has signs, miracles, and wonders, they're slapping people upside the head, they're healing Bertha Butt's big toe, they're, um, they're doing all these healings and signs, that's exactly what the church will give you. If you want a church where nothing is required of you, and that's the majority of churches, majority of people anyway, just believe, just come to the cross, just give your heart to, just give your hand to the preacher. There's nothing, you, grace plus nothing. If you want that, that's exactly what church will give you. If you want a church where everything is mystical, it's smoke and mirrors, it's candle wax. People are turned on by candle wax. I don't know why, but they are. Uh, where the priest speaks in Latin, you can't even understand it. That's exactly what the church will give you. It's not about truth. It's about what people want. In some cases, people are so brain dead that they turn to cults. They turn to gurus who will tell them when to get up and when to fast and when to go to bed. Or they'll get a part of a, in a dictatorship where they threaten their salvation. And if you leave the fold, you will lose your salvation. Yeah, they become that, a part of that nonsense. That's a sure sign of religious addiction, by the way, when you get involved in cults 
Religious addiction is nothing more than you don't want to, you refuse to think for yourself. That's all religious addiction is. You just will not think for yourself. So why do we want this? Because none of these things equals, none of these things I've just went through, a church that makes you feel good, a church that prosperity doctrine, none of this equals a relationship with God. That's what you got to get your mind around, that none of this is a relationship with God. So why church? Why, why do people, you know, don't go to church, be the church. You ever heard choose the church of your choice? A famous evangelist used to say, you know, it's like bargain hunting for the best buy. In this case, it's the best church. Choose the church of your choice. So I've always asked, why do people, you know, what is it about church? You know, now many people assimilate into church through their parents. My parents were a Baptist, my parents were a Catholic, and so am I. Many people choose the church in their old age because of that dreaded condition called death and the fear of the afterlife. I got to get my rear end saved before I kick the bucket. Yeah. And, you know, many people get disillusioned with God through church. Yeah, what happens, it happens like this, you know, maybe their minister gets caught with a prostitute or, or, you know, mishandling money or whatever, and they, instead of getting disillusioned with, you know, the person, blaming the person, they get dis disillusioned with God. And they'll say, I'll never come back, I'll never have anything to do with God because of what this man did to me or what this church did to me or someone spoke evil or someone said something in my church and I'm leaving, I'm disillusioned with God because of some idiot in the church said something. You know, people, this happens all the time. It ha that's the reason people go from church to church to church to church, you know. And when you get disillusioned with God, let me tell you the reason why. It's because a relationship with God doesn't exist. If you had a relationship with God, you wouldn't get disillusioned with God. I guarantee you that. You would never get Men are just, they would never, men would never get in the way of your relationship with God if you had a real relationship with God. The problem is most people don't have a real relationship with God and therefore they get disillusioned through their church with God. Now, preaching, let's talk about preachers here. Most preachers, including myself, we preach from a dis distorted worldview. I, I preach through the filter of my life. I see things as David Freeman can only see them. And that's true of any other minister out there. And you've got to be aware of that. You know, here I am talking about how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. Well, that's the opposite of what you heard all your entire life. So you might look at me and say, well, wow, he has a distorted worldview here. You know, what's he talking about? But it comes from my experience of, of just not being that impressed with church and religion and realizing that there is a way to connect with the real God, how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. And that's where it's got to start first. Uh, but don't ever believe that that man that you're listening to, including myself, has a direct line to God. You are an idiot if you believe that. If, if he tells you, God spoke to me, and let me tell you what God said, you are an idiot for believing that. No, no man has a direct line to God. We all speak through a distorted worldview. We all speak through filters, the way I see things. It's, it's my opinion. Yes, it is. 
You know, it's my worldview, it's my filters, yes. But you've got to have the wisdom to realize and to just take things at face value. Don't believe me, believe your Bible. If you can't find it in the Bible, don't believe it. Don't believe me if I can't prove it from the Bible. Okay, a lot of times you have in churches what I call endless mentoring. And this drives me crazy. I mean, it's like... They never get enough. It's endless mentoring, endless mentoring. They just can't seem to ever grow spiritually because they always got to have someone they're sitting at the feet at, learning and learning and learning, and it's conferences and more religious conferences and more church, and it's endless mentoring where they never grow spiritually. There's a verse, let's take a look at this. Proverbs 6 and verse 6 says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which has no guide, overseer, or ruler. You know, there's not one king ant instructing all the other ants. You know, follow me, you peons, and I will lead you into the promised land. Of course not. Now, have you ever thought about this in your spiritual relationship with God? who needs no God, what you need. Listen, my job as a minister is to lead you into a relationship with God as quickly as possible and turn you over to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, there is a way to receive the Spirit of God, and that's another program later on, specifically how to receive the Spirit of God. But once you have the Spirit of God, to turn you over to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God and get out of the way as quickly as possible. In 1 John 2 and verse 27, it says, But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you. What's it talking about? It's talking about the Spirit of God. It says it abides in you. Again, there's a way to receive that, and I don't have time to go through that right now. That program will be coming later on how to begin a relationship with God without church, without, uh, church and religion, how to receive the Spirit of God. But notice this. It says, And you need not that any man teach you. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't be taught by a man. That's not what I'm talking about. It's talking about your trump card is the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. That as you listen to preachers, as you listen to them teach, as you listen to them talk, the Spirit of God that is in you is leading you to understand whether that is correct or incorrect. Your, the Spirit of God is your trump card, and you've got to have that to have truth. Now, if I'm a minister of a megachurch and my salary is $300,000 a year, can you understand why I might not want to let go of you? Can you understand why I might want to continue this endless mentoring where you always sit at my feet learning more and more and more? Well, of course you can. You know, the problem is going to church often sets us up for a lifetime of hypocrisy. It really does. You know, I'm going to church, but I'd rather not be there. You know, I really don't have time for this, but I'm going to church. And that was a great message when we really don't mean it. And, I, and I'm doing great when we're really not. We sing, but it's really not our type of music. We smile, we shake the preacher's hand, you know. We, we, we have, some churches even have a mandatory meet and greet. How pathetic is that? It's time to shake the other guy's hand beside, you know, mandatory. I tell you, it's pathetic. You know, and all of this is so much superficial, unreal hypocrisy. This hypocrisy blossoms over the years, and it becomes entrenched in our character and makeup, and we learn it at church. Now, again, it may sound like I'm anti-church. I'm not. 
I'm talking. I'm looking at the church as a, as a support group for a bunch of junkies, a bunch of junkies trying to overcome sin. Choosing a church should be way down on the list of a mature Christian after you have developed a relationship with him. People have it backwards. Choosing the church of your choice is how most people enter into a perceived relationship with God. I'm going to go out and I'm going to choose a church, I'm going to get some religion, and now I'm religious, you know. And now I have a relationship with God. It's not so. It's not so. Now, would God ever tell us not to go to church? I want to conclude with this verse right here. In Isaiah 1 and verse 13 through 14, reading from the Message Bible, it says, Quit your worship charades. I can't stand your trivial religious games. Monthly conferences, weekly Sabbaths, special meetings, meetings, meetings. I can't stand one more. Meetings for this, meetings for that. I hate them. You've worn me out. I am sick of your religion, 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 while you go right on sinning. And why do they go right on sinning? Because the churches of, that dot our land don't speak out. They don't even know the definition of sin, and they don't speak out against it. And they are led to believe that I can just continue a relationship with God, grace, 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 grace plus nothing, and I can continue sinning, sinning, sinning. Listen, you've been lied to about the Bible. Well, I'm David Freeman. And don't go to church, be the church. And once you've made the decision to be the church, find you a support group of like-minded people. I'll see you next time. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net.